The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. All righty. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into our summer series. And, uh, you know, I was trying to be creative and everything. I think I stole this from somebody else. But uh, with uh, summer, you think of the boys of summer, baseball, and we're going to talk about beginnings. So beginnings, you got, you got it? Okay. I got thinking about that. I don't know how many people we have in here really care about uh, 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 baseball, though. I mean, I think every – does anybody in here actually root for a team that has a winning record? Just out of curiosity. Well, who do you root for? Oh, Yankees. Uh, what a uh, – he just picks the winners. I was thinking we have Tiger fans around here. They stink. We have Cub fans around here. I'm sorry. They stink. I'm a Pirate fan. Oh, boy. Uh, we got Reds fans. We got – even the White Sox aren't doing as well as they're supposed to. So I thought – I don't know if anybody actually really is, like, excited about baseball right now. But I thought I'd put a baseball up there anyway. As we begin to look at Genesis 1, and in Genesis 1, I think one of the things that we will find is the purpose that we – have in God, okay? Now, uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago when I was here that my wife and I were headed for the zoo. Uh, we went to the Columbus Zoo, and uh, pretty good zoo, I got to say. Their, their, their big thing is the habitats that they build. I mean, they're like really nice, like the animals can roam around all over the place and have a good time. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty nice zoo, but, uh, you know, you look, you look there and you realize in looking at these animals, Different people get more excited than I do, i got to admit. But I uh, look at it, I think, you know, basically these animals, as long as their needs are met, they're happy. You know, they're good. I didn't really see any animals sitting there contemplating the meaning of life and figuring out purpose. We have a, a Sheltie at home that is, I think Shelties are supposed to be smart dogs. I think ours missed the memo, but um, they, they're supposed to be pretty smart dogs. And uh, I've never seen her sitting there trying to figure out, you know, what is, what is there's more to life, isn't there? You know, there's got to be something beyond this world. Uh, there's got to be something out there bigger for me than just getting fed and getting an occasional pat on my head and getting let out to go to the bathroom. There's got to be something more. They really aren't debating that a whole lot. Man has inside of him, God has placed eternity. And because of that, we seek for something. We know there is something more than just this life. And we seek for purpose. Um, I have to confess to you, last Sunday, uh, Labor Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, what was it? Memorial Day weekend, your pastor, moi, skipped church. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I've, you've ruined. I really didn't intend to. Uh, we got up, and we're going to church with my son out in Colorado. My, my wife left, and she went with my daughter-in-law and granddaughter, and they took off for church. And I was getting ready, and I thought, I don't really feel all that great. And I went in, and I started to get dressed, and I thought, I really don't feel very well. And it was really a good thing that I decided not to go. The stomach bug came and uh, with a vengeance and, uh, and hit me pretty hard. So I spent last Sunday uh, on my son's basement floor. Uh, that's where they make us sleep. And uh, we, were, we were down, down there. Uh, w- the expression we used to use was worshiping at the porcelain altar. I don't know if uh, that means anything to you. But uh, that's how my uh, labor or Memorial Day, whatever holiday, that was uh, that's how my Sunday was spent now when I came back you know I, I was really pretty sick and I was having a hard time getting my stomach adjusted to life again 
And in fact, Wednesday was my, we had trouble, traveled back on Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday I was on my way in here, and I thought I wanted to stop and pick up something to eat, and I just couldn't, you know, McDonald's didn't sound good. Taco Bell, not so good. Uh, so I thought, I, I need something blah. So I called Francis, I said, hey, I'm going to come back home, I'm going to get some ramen noodles, just some plain noodles, I need to eat that. So she said, I'm going out, but uh, okay, we, yeah, we have ramen noodles, I was just checking to make sure. So I get home, and you know, the house is empty, but my wife rose nicely, real sweetly. She had put a pot of water on the stove, so I got that going, went in and found the, uh, found the ramen noodles, uh, cooked those, and sat down with some crackers and ramen noodles. I, I like them pretty dry, so I was putting, taking a cracker and putting some of the noodles on there and putting it in my mouth. So I sat down, and I thought, i got to eat something, blah. I took that first bite, and I th- it was uh, like sweet. It was really weird. And I thought, what is with these crackers? They weren't normal saltine crackers. It was like this assorted thing. So I thought, I got a bad cracker. So I ate that one, and I reached over. I tried a different shaped cracker. I ate that. I still was getting this sweetness. And I was like, oh, this is making me ill. So I tried another one. Uh, I still wasn't it. I'm looking at the box of crackers, and this doesn't make any sense. I thought, there's something wrong with those crackers. So finally, I just put the crackers aside, and I grabbed a handful of noodles. I thought, i got to get that taste out of my mouth. I just jammed some straight noodles into my mouth. I did that, and I could not get rid of that taste. I kept tasting it. I tried it again. I kept tasting it. It was terrible. So finally, I got up, took my ramen noodles over to dump them away. As I walked past the sink, I saw this um, hummingbird feeder. That... That my wife was in the process of cleaning and refilling. So that sweet wife that I thought had left some water on the stove for me, uh, had left some water on the stove for me, and I cooked my stinking ramen noodles in the hummingbird gooey uh, mess. And so no matter how many times I kept stuffing it in my mouth, I just, and, and I got to tell you this, if you're ever looking for a good way to get over stomach flu, Syrupy water is not the answer. <laughs> the, next, the next time I watch Elf pour syrup on spaghetti, I'm going to lose it, I know. I just, that, was, that was definitely a little setback in my life. But uh, when you do, I really wanted to tell that story. I'm not sure it was the best illustration ever. But when, <laughs> when you use something for other than the purpose for which it was intended. Boy, that was a stretch, wasn't it? But I wanted to tell you that story. Uh, you really have a mess there. So we're going to look at that idea and understand what, where we find our purpose in creation. But actually, before we even get to creation, before we go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, there are some things uh, that are always existed even before creation. Sorry, I'm pressing my wrong button here. This was working. I'm not sure how I broke it. Aha! Guys, could you give me the next slide? Beautiful. Uh, we're going to find our purpose really then in what already was. Now, you're going to have to, you got, you got your uh, brains in gear here. First one's pretty simple, but then it's going to get where you got to think a little bit. Uh, we're going to stretch your thinking just a little bit as we go, go through this. The first one is simple as, far, as to things that existed before creation. I put persons instead of person uh, for this reason right here. When Jesus talked, uh, give you, yeah, just stay with me, guys. I guess I'm not working here right now. Uh, There we go. When Jesus talked in John chapter 17, and John chapter 17 is a great chapter. It is called Jesus' high priestly prayer. But one of the things that he does in there is he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory, listen to this, that I had with you 
before the world existed. Okay, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son we see here, and God the Holy Spirit also existed in three persons before creation. Uh, later on in John chapter 17 also, the Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So that love of God is eternal. God, in three persons, that love is already there. God, God is already there before creation. Now, again, hopefully this is something that, uh, well, that makes sense. Junior comes to you and says, Daddy, uh, we learned about creation today and that God created everything, but who created God? It's a very common question. Who created God? Where did God begin? And the answer really is very simple. Who created God? The answer is nobody. When did God begin? He never did. He has always existed. That's the only acceptable answer. Okay, and I've said this before, but it is very important from a scientific standpoint that we understand what is called the law of biogenesis, which is the idea that life comes from life. Life can't come from nothing. So therefore, if you have decided that I'm not going to believe in God as creator, that, of course, is your right to believe that. But if you don't believe that God created everything, then you have to choose an alternative as to something that has always existed because something can come out of nothing. And you can keep going back with the question, well, who created this? Well, that came from, you know, whatever you want to say. He came from a monkey. He came from a fish. He came from a uh, reptile. He came from a, you know, you can go back as far as you want. And you can say, well, that all came from the big ball of gas. Well, where did the big ball of gas come from? Don't throw out any answers there. Uh, if you have a junior high boy, you have a pretty good idea. Uh, but, um, but honestly, when you think about that whole idea of where uh, did, did it all begin, very simply, God has always existed. Okay? If God had a creator, very simply, he's not God. Okay? If something else formed God, if someone else formed God, he is not God. So this is a basic belief, that idea that God has always existed. Now, a second thing, if you go to the next slide for me, guys, uh, the second thing that I want you to think about, and here's where we're going to st stretch our minds just a little bit, uh, is the idea not only has the person of God or the persons of God, that Trinity always existed, but God has also that God had a plan for redemption that has always existed. We get the idea sometimes that back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve messed up, Okay, when Adam and Eve sinned and, and the world fell into sin, God had to think of plan B. Oh, got to do something now. And Genesis 3.15 is what we call the first messianic passage in the Bible because God predicts that the Savior would come. And we love that. We say, so, so God looks at a mess. I got to do something about that. But that actually is not the way it happened. What the Scripture tells us is that God's plan to redeem the world was in place long before the world was even created. Let me show you a few verses here, guys. If you go to that next one there, in 1 Peter 1.20, we, we studied 1 Peter back this spring, uh, and he's talking about this new life we had in Christ, and it says, He was foreknown before, that is, He being Jesus, that one who gives us new life. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. But He was foreknown before the earth began. That plan for Jesus to bring new life. Show me the next verse, if you would, please. Titus, uh, uh, Paul, Paul writes this, in hope of eternal life, 
which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. That promise of eternal life is eternal. And that hope that we have is eternal. You ever heard the expression, hope springs eternal? Well, hope really is eternal, that hope that we have in eternal life. I absolutely love that verse uh, that talks about that, the hope that we have. I love that phrase, we have a hope given by a God who cannot lie. I've had a lot of experience where I've had to stand at funerals and I've watched people try to muster up hope. Well, we really hope uh, there's something beyond this life. Well, we really hope they're in a better place. And they try to say that and try to convince themselves. And I love being in a place where I can say, I don't have to wonder about it because I have the promise from a God who cannot lie, who designed this before creation. Okay, then the king, uh, Matthew 25, Jesus said, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by the father inherit the kingdom prepared for you when? before the foundation of the world. Heaven is eternal. Uh, next one. Uh, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. Here, Paul is talking about the gospel that he preaches, the message of Jesus, which God decreed when before the ages for our glory. The gospel plan was already in place. Let's go on uh, to the next one. Help me, guys. <laughs> That's what I meant. Good job, guys. <laughs> guys are all over it. Uh, <laughs> smooth operator up here. Uh, I mentioned I've been feeling a little under the weather. Okay, anyway. First uh, Timothy says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Okay, we have a purpose, and he has given us this grace since when? Since before it began. So that moves us into the purpose that we have. Now, I want to read another section to you from Ephesians and talk to you a little bit about, about this purpose. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, Paul's talking here, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints. I love how Paul talked about himself. First of all, he said he was the least of, uh, of all the uh, disciples. Then he said he was the least of all the saints. Later on, he's going to say he's the least of all sinners. It seemed like the closer he got to God, the more he realized he wasn't all that much. But anyway, here he says, I am the least of all the saints. Uh, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. And then he goes on and he says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Okay, look at our purpose here. Now through the church, the wisdom of God may be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Even angelic beings are going to witness this through us. This was according to what? His eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with him confidence through faith in him okay so we have the eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus now I said you know the first thing hopefully just comes as common sense that there has to have been something that has always existed and we believe that it is God who has always existed then you talk about this idea that uh, God made provision for sin and redemption before creation let me say that again. God made provision for, for sin, made provision to get sin taken care of, and that we could be redeemed before even creation. He made that. Okay? And now this wisdom and this plan and this purpose of God is on full display. And I want you to th contemplate this statement with me. This was God's plan from the beginning, 
Not that we would be restored to the Garden of Eden even. His plan from the beginning was for redemption. Now, that's a little bit tough to wrap our mind around. We gain more in Jesus and what we have in Him and being united to Him in Jesus Christ than we lost in sin. So God's plan from the beginning called for this redemption. Now, when we think about God having this eternal plan, we realize that none of us are insignificant. There is no insignificant life. In fact, there is no less significant life. We are all part of God's specific plan and purpose. Okay? But... There comes a question, doesn't it? Okay, let, let's, let's just talk honestly for a second. Okay, wait a minute. You're saying God had all this down ahead of time? Okay, redemption plan, that means the fall had to happen, so then why did we have to go through all that? Why did man sin? Why did God have him sin? Uh, everything like that, why did that all happen? And I want to tell you, we're going to explore that a little bit more uh, next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the beginning of sin. The week after that, we'll, we'll back on Father's Day and talk about the beginning of the family for Father's Day. But I, I, I still want to give this answer when you ask me the question, why did God plant, you know, how did God let this whole thing happen? I, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. I want to give you the answer that I, that I think is the best answer to give you, and that is this. I don't know. I don't know. I do not completely understand God's plan and purpose, but I'm okay with that. Okay, I don't have to know the answer to everything. If God says this is his plan to redeem the world and we're better off with Jesus than we, than we were from the beginning and we gain more in Jesus than we lost in sin, I am good with all that. I do not have to understand everything. I could try to come up with some theories as to why I think it might be, but to be honest with you, I do not know. And the older I get, and I think the more mature I get, the more I am good with just letting God be God sometimes. Now, wait a minute. Come on. You're just being one of these ignorant Christians. You can't come up with the answer, so you're just going to say, oh, it's God's, and God's hands is mine at him. And to that, I might have to plead guilty. You might be absolutely right. Now, I could go and try to come up with something, some flawed explanation, and live by my theories and everything like that as to why I think everything happens. But to be very honest with you, I grow more and more content to let God be God and understand that I have a finite mind that's not going to comprehend. Uh, you know, we get into this expression, oh, God only knows. Well, truth of the matter is there are many things that at this point God only knows. I don't have to know the answer to everything. So I don't know that uh, we are going to look more at that next week, the whole idea of why there's sin in the world and, and, and explore that as we look at that. However, I'm not sure I'm going to completely answer every question that you have because I don't completely answer every question that I have. Sometimes I have to say, hey, this is what God says. God, I trust a God who, that has an eternal plan, an eternal purpose uh, of redemption and bringing us to Him. I'm going to trust Him with that. I don't have to have every answer. And I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, I guess. But if you think, well, you're just, you know, the ignorant Christian who just, you know, he's just going to, oh, we'll wait and find out from God. But as we'll see a little bit, I think sometimes we're far better off doing that than coming up with, with our own theories and coming up with our own ideas of what we think things are going to be because those are often so very flawed too. Okay, so I did, that was not a comprehensive list, but there are some things that existed before Genesis 1-1. Okay, for sure God did, his plan did, and his purpose did. We know that. There, there are, we could come up with a list of about 10 or 11 things the Scripture specifically states, but I want to get, hit those three for right now. 
Now we're going to talk about actually finding our purpose, not in the things that happened before the beginning, but in the beginning itself. And the first thing we'll look at there is what we learn about who He is. And to do that, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Many of you could quote it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, Elohim, the all-powerful one, uh, it has the plural connotation, the trinity involved in there. This God created, the, the word means t- formed out of nothing, uh, the heavens and the earth, which is the terminology Scripture uses for the universe that we have. Okay, heaven already existed, the heaven that we know, but God created uh, the heavens and the earth, talking about the universe that we have. God formed that. So the first thing that we talk about is this idea Who is He? He is Creator. Now, there are some people, and just honestly, there are some people that I know are much smarter than I am who they bristle against that. Oh, here we go. God, Creator. You know, that's where you're going there. One of the um, greatest minds they ever lived is a guy by the name of Isaac Newton. Uh, Isaac Newton used to gather with his friends with his uh, all these great minds and they would discuss life and and things that are important and of course he talked about God because he believed in God but others said yeah Isaac come on (laughs) Uh, that's kind of for the foolish people let's just explain it with God if we can't figure it out so one day uh, they were scheduled to have their regular meeting of getting together at Isaac's house and uh, Isaac had prepared in his living room a as big as he could fit in the living room a model of the solar system Okay, and when everybody gathered together, uh, they said, Isaac, this is pretty impressive. Uh, You built this? He said, no. So you didn't build this? He said, who'd you have build it? And he said, oh, nobody. He said, it just appeared. It just showed up here. And they said, that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? He said, oh, well, I've been out of this room for for weeks. It's it's weeks, but it just formed. It it just came. And they said, Isaac still doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, I, I didn't tell you the truth. I've been out for years. I haven't been here, and it just formed. And they said, okay, Isaac, I think we get your point. The whole idea is that creation demands a creator, okay? And we can deny that there is a creator, but, but if you would go through this for a second, I mean, uh, let's, can we use just some common sense for a minute? I mean, uh, it, the, when I say that statement, creation demands, I mean, Romans chapter 1 makes this very plain. I, I think it's Psalm 19, uh, make it very plain that, that uh, this is the testimony of who God is, God of wonders beyond. We, we look at this. He is the creator. It's obvious that he's here. But can you try to reason against that, if you would, for a second and think, oh, no, there doesn't have to be a creator. Does that really even make sense? Now, I know, and, and I want to make sure you, you don't think I'm thinking, oh, I'm smarter than everybody. I don't think that at all. I get amused when I'm traveling by watching my GPS, see how close it can come to the things in the picture? Do you know what I mean? You know, when, when there's an exit ramp? That was exactly at the exit ramp. That is incredible. I don't know how they do that. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm driving along, and, you know, there's a lake beside me, and, hey, I just came to the end of the lake. That was perfect. Uh, I get amazed at the technology that can do something as simple as that. Uh, my phone fascinates me, and I can't do probably a tenth of what my phone can do with my phone, but the different things it does fascinate me. But can you imagine if I held up that phone and I said, hey, I just found this. I was digging in the backyard, and I just found it. Well, truth is, years ago I buried some metal back there, and, and eventually it formed together. You look at that, the, whether it's the GPS system, whether it's the phone itself, so many different things, and you say it is obviously designed by somebody, okay? 
And yet we'll look at creation, we'll look at the complexity of even the human DNA, which is beyond, you know, really everything that, that we understand in the human body, and we'll say, oh, no, 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 no creator. Uh, there doesn't have to be a God. Why is it that people want to deny there being a God? Why is it because we choose, let's see if I can say this right, ant- to have an anthro anthro, there you go, anthrocentric philosophy, which is a man-centered philosophy. We want everything about me instead of theocentric. Bottom line is we don't want God. The idea of having a God is not all that appealing. Why, why do people say, hey, who, who died and made you God? That's not seen as a compliment. If somebody has a God complex, we, that's not seen as a compliment. We don't want there to be somebody to whom we are accountable. We don't want somebody for whom we have to answer. We don't like that idea. So we would rather have our theories that may or may not seem even logical in some cases than we, than we would have theology because our theories are a good attempt to eliminate our accountability to God. Some of those theories just flat out deny science. I mentioned the law of biogenesis in science. If you're going to say there's no creator, there's no beginning, there's nothing that's eternal, you're going to deny science, the law of biogenesis. One other one that people love to deny is the law, it was called the second law of thermodynamics. You might be familiar with that, but it is the idea that the things left to themselves tend to disorder. They don't, they don't improve the, you know, the teenager bedroom. Uh, a theory is what that is sometimes is called. But uh, we have this idea that left to itself, everything is just evolving, and it is you're getting better all the time, but that's not scientific. Science, science says that if left to itself, uh, things are going to go downhill. But people are going to adopt it anyway because we want to deny that there's a God. And I, I want to say this. About, oh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I think it was, a guy by the name of Ken Ham who leads the Creation Science Institute down, in, uh, down by Cincinnati. And Bill Nye, the science guy, had a debate. Does anybody remember this? They had a big, big debate. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to debate creation versus evolution. i got to tell you, I didn't enjoy the debate at all, either, either way. Both of them kept listing, well, so-and-so who has this degree, this degree, this degree says this. And so-and-so, both sides did that. We're going to tell your experts to have all the PhDs and all the initials after them what they said. And I've got 27 scientists who signed this statement. Well, I've got 32 scientists who signed this statement. And they're going back and forth trying to impress us half the time with these guys with all these degrees behind their names. And I don't mean to mock education. I'm really not. But I want to tell you, I don't care how many initials you have behind your name. If you walk into Isaac Newton's living room, look at the model of the solar system and think, yeah, it just happened. You're stupid. Okay, I mean, really, you're not that bright. So, so you know, I, I don't care what, what you, you know, what, what you go there. And, and, but we have this idea that, man, that's just so foolish just to believe that it's God. And we ignore the flaws of the theories that we have. Okay, we ignore them. Well, there's a missing link. Well, yeah, it's missing, but we're going to find it. We're going to prove it. Okay, yeah, we don't have that now, but we're eventually going to figure that out. Do you know, just one little fact here, do you know that the sun burns up, they, they tell us, 1,200,000 tons per second? Did you know that? Now think about this here for a second. This earth solar system is millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years old, right? And every second it's losing that much. Can you imagine how big the sun would have had to have been to begin with? Do you know how precise the placement of the earth is to sustain life? Do you understand that at one point the the sun would have been a much greater gravitational mass 
and I think something would have happened there. Maybe we got sucked in and burned up. Uh, they've been around there. It really doesn't make sense. And there are so many things like that. Well, we're going to figure out the answer to that. We're going to get it later. We, you know, we, we have this uh, uh, plan in place that somehow we're going to have all the answers to everything. And I want to say, no, I don't think you are. So we need to understand the God of creation. Now let's jump later and understand this, if we would. Sorry, guys, back to you. And not only are we going to talk about who he is, but who I am. And let's go later on in, the, in Genesis chapter 1 to a verse that talks about uh, that God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and, everything creep, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the, uh, upon the earth. So let us make man in our image. So we talked a little bit about who he is. Let us talk now for a second about who we are and what we learn from creation. Um, I had to look this up a little bit. I was, I was reading some old information that talked about if you took all the chemicals in the human body, its value was like 76 cents. But then I saw the date on it. It was somewhere, somewhere back in the 70s. So I looked it up again today. Your value has gone up. Well, no, your value hasn't gone up, but the price of you has gone up. Uh, inflation has hit. And as best I can figure out now, if you took all the chemicals that make up the human body, uh, it would come out to a whopping $200. Okay. That's what you are. You're worth $200 worth of chemicals. But in this verse, in this truth of God's creation, we find that we are more than just a mass of chemicals. That we are rational beings, that we are moral beings, that we are immortal beings, that we are image bearers to the God of all creation. That's what we are. We are to reflect His glory. There's a story told of a, uh, a, ch a prairie chicken. And a prairie chicken has little babies there, stuff like that. Well, a, a little boy on the farm found an eagle's egg. Didn't know what to do with it, so he put it into the prairie chicken's nest. And uh, so sure enough, the eggs hatched, and the eagle grew up alongside the prairie chickens and, and is growing up. And one day, an eagle soars overhead. And the, uh, the eagle, the eaglet, looks up and says, what in the world is that thing? And the mother says, ah, don't worry about it. You're never going to fly like that. Uh, but there is a very real sense in which we were born to soar as image bearers of God, and yet we are being lied to and told we're something different. We are being told we're accidents. We are being told we're nothing more than life here on this earth. Now listen, folks, people know that's not true. Watch people. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crass, but watch people at funerals. God has put eternity in our hearts, and we know there's something beyond this life. We can deny it. We can push it, push it aside, but we know there's something more. And we know that we were created for more. We're created to be His image bearers, not just to get whatever we can out of this life and then leave. That's not what we're here for. We're created to reflect Him and glorify Him uh, throughout our lives in every area of our lives. This, we, were, we were created to soar. Maybe, just maybe, if we want people to stop acting like animals, stop telling them that's all they are. I mean, honestly, if somebody believes that's all I am, I, you know, I have no future beyond this life. I'm just a product of accidents. I told you before, I got a sister six years older than me and a brother eight years older than me. My parents did not disguise the fact that I was an accident. My middle name is Oops. No, it's not. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but they did tell me many times, you're an accident. 
That does not bolster a man's confidence. Uh, we didn't really even want you, but uh, but I did eventually learn that in God's side, I'm not an accident. Uh, God didn't make any mistakes there, but th- that, that idea that we tell people all the time, oh yeah, the reason why man is here is because there was a mutation here, there was a mutation here, uh, and pretty soon, there you are! And there will be more mutations, and we'll be changing more, and everything like that. How about telling them the truth? You're an eagle. Okay, stop lying to them. You're an eagle. You were created in the image of God. You bear the image of an eternal God. Makes a huge difference in how we look at life. You say, Pastor, you don't sound like you're very big on evolution. Listen to me. I am big on evolutionary science. I am. I think it's great to study. And I think there's some cool things we can learn as you study uh, the development of the different uh, uh, races, the development of different kinds of dogs and things like that. There's definitely things that you see that is evolutionary science. But evolutionary theory, I'm not so big on jamming people uh, down people's throat. I'm not. It's a theory, folks. Okay? And, uh, and if we're going to continue, and I know it has been presented so many times to say just this is the way things are, that people are swallowing it up. But what people are swallowing up is, basically, I am a product of years of mutations. There is nothing beyond this life. Uh, you know, so, and think about it. If I believe that, don't you think that's going to affect the way I live my life? I mean, honestly. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, astronomical suicide rates you know, that we hear about and how sad and how tragic that is. Well, and I, but if I really believe it just ends, right? It's just over. It's no big deal, right? I'm just an accident anyway. Just take me out. It's no big deal. Think about it in how many different situations. If I believe the lies that are crammed down our throat uh, constantly and we forget that there is an infinite God who spoke the world into being and then said, let us This trinity, let us make man in our own image. If we forget all that, is it not going to incredibly impact how we live our lives? Would you agree with me on that? People want to pretend that there is no God. Makes life easier, doesn't it? But I want to propose this to you. You know differently. You know differently. The Scripture says God has placed eternity in your hearts. Read Romans chapter 1. It makes it very plain that we know inside that there is a God. And like I said, you watch people when they come to the end of their days. You watch people when they gather around somebody who's lost uh, because somebody has lost their life and they gather with loved ones. And you understand that we really do know. So maybe, maybe we want to live today under the knowledge that we are part of God's eternal plan. Oh, that's profound. Live this day that we are under the knowledge that we are part of God's eternal land. God made us for himself, and we will find no rest until we find rest in him and in the purpose he has given us. By the way, remember that plan I talked about God had from the beginning? It involves sending his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for sin. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of weird because, oh, yeah, I like that story. That's a good one. That, that really makes sense too, doesn't it? It really doesn't. God's love doesn't make any sense in that, in that way, that he would send his own son to pay the price and how he took upon in our sin. But that's exactly what he did. He said, uh, turn from your sin, trust in me for forgiveness of sin, and we have this new life in Jesus Christ, that eternal purpose that he had to call us to himself. 
kind of profound, kind of good. Now, we're going to close today by singing God of Wonders again. Okay, sang it the first time, God of Wonders. Now I want you to sing it, really thinking through everything here. I want you to, I want you to sing it thinking, I am an image bearer, bearer of the great Creator. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.